with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another obeyerific, consumatastic episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I am here with three, count them, three of my fellow sunglasses wearing Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. Mama don't like tattletales. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, guys, this is Tony. And just when you think you have all the answers, I keep changing the questions. We came here to podcast and chew bubble gum, and we're all out of bubble gum. Yeah. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth. Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta oh, stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on the TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletales. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick And I'm all out of bubble gum. We're here tonight, in case you haven't figured it out, to talk about They Live, which was released November 23rd, 1988, which makes this, what is this, the, the 30th, 35th? What is this? 35th. 35th anniversary of They Live. So this is a, a film from director John Carpenter. And this is the synopsis from RottenTomatoes.com. Nada, 
aka Roddy Piper, a wanderer without meaning in his life, discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world the way it truly is. As he walks the streets of Los Angeles, Nada notices that both the media and the government are comprised of subliminal messages meant to keep the population subdued, and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nada fights to free humanity from the mind-controlling aliens. And that is the pretty short and sweet synopsis. Uh, I, I haven't seen this film in a really long time, but I know, I know this was on a short list of, of films that we wanted. We, we kind of agree we were going to discuss. I think this was on a short list of films that Justin brought up. So why don't you, uh, I don't know, Justin, like what was there, was there a particular reason just cause it's a cool movie? Like, was there something like unique and uh, I guess unique as to like, well, you know, why this was on your short list of films for this, this round of anniversary films that we were picking to talk about on the show. It's one of those films that I really like, but I don't watch that often. And kind of like yourself, it had been at, uh, it's been 15 or so years since I last watched it. So when this, when I saw this was on the anniversary list, I was like, well, yeah, we got to talk about this. Like, this is a great movie. This was one of those movies I heard about as a kid. It was sold to me as Roddy Piper fights aliens. And I was like, man, that sounds great. But I didn't see it until maybe my sophomore year of high school. And I'm glad I watched it for the first time at, at that point in my life, because I think it hit me at the right point. Like, you know, kind of like how I, I mentioned when I was a little kid, I watched Highlander and I wasn't really crazy about it. And then I came back to it in high school and I was like, man, this is great. I think if I had watched They Live as a seven, six, eight year old, I think a lot of it would have went over my head and I probably wouldn't have liked it. But watching it as a high schooler, I was like, man, this is great. Like it's got Roddy Piper. I've always loved Roddy Piper. It's violent. It's got that it's got that John Carpenter like anti authority, you know, anti conformity, anti consumerism streak all over the movie, which I, I still think is great. It's also one of those movies and I know I know this probably gets said a lot, but I think this is one of those movies that uh, you probably couldn't make today. Or or if you did, it would be a lot more in your face and politically charged from one side to the other too much probably. And it would probably like leave a bad taste in your mouth if they like remade it or made some kind of like sequel or something, which I'm glad they have yet to do either one of those things. But yeah, it's probably I, I think the last time I watched this was in about 2007. I sat down and watched it with an old roommate of mine and, you know, we both loved the movie and, you know, just had a fun afternoon sitting around watching it and talking about the movie, and talking about John Carpenter movies in general. There was a little bit of uh, a thought in the back of my mind that I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in so long. Like, I wonder I wonder if it still holds up. I wonder how I'm going to feel about it because it's been, you know, since 2008. Am I going to think about the movie differently? And nope, I still love it. I still think it's great. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what your guys' history with the movie is. Like, Tony, like, you're a little bit older than me like for me as a as a little kid in the 80s like you know watching wrestling you know hogan savage warrior like those are my guys but also one of my guys was roddy piper and 
know, for me and my friends, it, it didn't really matter if he was like a heel or a baby face. It, it didn't matter if he was, you know, hitting Snuka over the head with the coconut or whatever. Like, no matter what he was doing or saying, like, we all loved Roddy Piper. So, like, the fact that, like, Roddy Piper transitioned into movies, you know, whether it was this or Hill Comes to Frogtown or he was a guest star on Highlander that week, it was like, like, that was great. Like, what about you, like, being older, like, you know, were you like, were you and your friends like super into Roddy Piper, like whether he was a heel or a baby face or like what's your history like with Piper in this movie? Yeah, probably like about the time I started watching wrestling. It was right at that point where Roddy had kind of disappeared off WWF for a little while. I don't know if he was injured or if he just had something else to do. I don't know. But he was off TV for a little while and he had recently started coming back. Probably about like a couple years after I started watching, because right when I started watching was like like right smack dab in the middle of like Macho and Savage and all that stuff. Like I, I missed like WrestleMania like one to like three more or less. But I knew who Roddy Piper was. He was he was still like uh, a really big presence in the WWF. They like referred to him a lot. You know they referenced him, and so I was definitely aware of who he was. And then uh, at some point I'd heard about They Live, you know, there was actually commercials for it, like, uh, you know, not a lot, uh, <laughs> but there were. And for the longest time, I didn't want to watch it because, like, the, you know, the spooky dooky aliens with their skull faces and bad toupees and shit, like, they were like a little ooky. And I was like, I was still kind of in that phase where I wasn't really fond of, like, horror movies in general. And they just kind of set me off. I was like, I don't want to watch that. And then at some point in the nineties, I don't know exactly when I, I, I sat down and I watched it and I will say this. I really don't know if Roddy Roddy Piper is a good actor and that's not a slight against him make no mistake, but he has a natural charisma and just this infectious kind of energy and vibe about him that you just go with it. Like, like I don't know if he's just being Roddy Piper and just reading the lines, or, or if he does tap into some kind of acting mantra or whatever. I don't care. Like, when he yeah, was in, I, like, movies, or, yeah, he was just good, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that watching this, because sometimes he says something, and you're like, okay, that's in the script. And sometimes he'll say, like, a one-liner or some kind of quip, and I'm like, that has to just be him on set, like, just, just going with the flow and having fun with it. Because it... it I don't know how else to describe it, but it feels like something Roddy Piper would say, like in a in a promo or something. You're like, yeah, like that's the guy I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just I don't know. He just he he had, you know, as we as you know, me and you being wrestling fans, he's got it. You know, <laughs> I'm actually surprised he wasn't a bigger movie star. One, one of the things you, you didn't mention, I mean, he's had some accolades. But he's also in a really funny episode of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He was hilarious in that. Yeah, um, he's a, he's in a couple episodes as a kind of broke down you know, rest. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's got great comedic timing. Um, even in this, even though it's, it's played as a very serious movie, there's a few comedic beats in it, like some dark humor. And like the ones he does are just fucking spot on, you know, like, it's like, he's just got like something about him that is intimately watchable. And, um, you know, you, you team him up with Keith David and, for some reason, this guy, Keith David, who's who's a really, really reals actor. Yeah, this is when he was younger. I mean, this is like, I don't know if this is his first movie, but he hasn't he hadn't been acting for a long time at this point. He but he you could tell that he's 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 wanting to be an actor ever since he was like, you know, 
become an adult. This was what his career was. But this legit actor and this pro wrestler have like the best buddy cop like interaction. They like you believe it. You believe that they're friends. Or well, you believe that they're rivals at first. They're like, you know, not really sure of each other, but they become friends. And, you know, it's it's crazy. It's it's uh, like everybody who they pick to portray their role is just like I can't picture anybody else. I know it's because I've seen the movie and you could always say that. But if you put like, uh, you know, uh, this this is like, you know, the late 80s. If you put like so uh, not so much, but uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the role of Nada, it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't have the same vibe. Yeah. And yeah, it just yeah. There's something about it. I mean, even um, uh, who uh, who plays uh, the the female lead again? Oh, uh, Meg, Meg Foster. Foster. Me, yeah, Meg Foster. Okay, I thought it evil was Lin. her because evil Lynn. Because she has the evil Lynn eyes. I was like, that was Meg yeah. Foster, right? Yeah, you you, can, and, you don't forget those ice blue eyes, man. Yeah, yeah. She just could stare into your soul, but uh, she's great at it too. And I mean, okay, the movie's 35 years old. It's it's really interesting to see, like you know her play that role where you're not really sure if like she's really a good guy or a bad guy because she seems at first like she just doesn't want to get involved in it and then she becomes like an ally we think and then by the end we see her true colors and it's like what's that <laughs> you know? it's like a very like everything is paced really well and i've I've just recently saw this about a year ago maybe give or take uh, we were talking about this last week getting ready for it and I was like, uh, I think I have seen it recently. I think I saw it like a year ago. And you had mentioned it. You think it was on comment or something. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where it was. And it's not a movie I really go out of my way to watch. And not because it's bad. It's just not one of those movies that's always on my mind. Like, oh, I got to watch They Live this year. But whenever it's on, if it's not too far into it, if it's like near the beginning, I'll watch the whole thing. It's just that kind of movie. What about you, Mike? Like, what's your history or experience with they live i saw it in like yeah like the 90s like and it was just like my friend showed me a lot of stuff like had a i don't know if he like taped it off some movie channel or what but he had a vhs like copy of it and he you know he used to like like you know these like really cult favorite like low budget science fiction and horror movies and this was just like on the docket for one you know sleepover or one like you know hanging out like in the afternoon session and he was like oh yeah yeah dude like it's all about um you know guys that the guys find some sunglasses and they see aliens and i'm like oh that sounds cool and then like i i was kind of like you know is that Roddy Piper? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, like, I, I didn't, like, he didn't tell me that beforehand. So I was like, what the, like, I, I think when we, the first time we ever mentioned this movie on this podcast, probably like years and years ago, I think it was like our favorite, like horror movies or something like that. And I, I remember Brian brought it up and he was like, like this movie has <laughs> Roddy Roddy Piper as the main character, which immediately sets it apart from like any other movie you've ever seen, basically. So like, yeah, like that's that's a like what? Like, OK, like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, that 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 is a, a sticking point. And then like, you know, at, at that point, I think in the 90s, I was probably watching Gargoyle. So, of course, I was like. Oh, dude, that's like Goliath. That's like Keith David. Like, I think that might have been the first time I saw Keith David in a movie, probably. And, uh, you know, he, he obviously has a very distinct voice and he's like a fantastic like performer. So, you know, he's very he's very recognizable. Like, 
So, yeah, and like, and I, I remember watching it and I thought, you know, I thought it was cool. I think, you know, everyone, the, the thing that always like sticks with you from this like movie is that like, you know, long drawn out, like goes on for like almost too long fight scene between them in the alley where they I, like, you know, they get their second wind and then they both get their third wind and then they get their fourth wind. And then it's like, then they're just beating each other until they can't like stand any anymore. And like, that, it's awesome. Like, and I think, you know, I appreciated when like stuff like South Park, like parody, like this fight too. Like, so like I, I immediately like recognized the reference. Like, so like, you know, that's, it's great. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, it's never been like one of my favorite movies, but it's something like I've seen like a couple, at least a couple times since like I rewatched it, like just today. Like, so like, and you know, I obviously like I knew, you know, I, I, well, I hadn't known originally, but I was like, Oh, this is where, you know, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And like, I'm all out of gum. Like that's where this come that comes from. Like, Oh, I didn't know that. But you know, I, I think I heard it in like Duke Nukem first probably or something, but yeah, like, and it, what do you call it? I, you know, I rewatched it today. I, I, I found it still pretty like, you know, entertaining. Yeah. Like I, I think it's message still kind of like, you know, kind of holds up as like, you know, it's, it's not as subtle as it was probably back then, but like, you know, I think it still kind of holds up, but yeah, like I, I do enjoy this movie as like cheesy and, uh, you know, uh, low budget as it is. Yeah. I think, I think I was probably, 10 or 11 when i first saw this because if this came out in 88 i did not see it in the theater i'm pretty sure it was on home video and i remember my dad saying come in here like you're gonna like this this is gonna be cool when i was like okay and uh i i mean i think i think probably because you know if you if you just look at the premise on paper like you know i was a little kid that was always into sci-fi i liked star trek i liked v and and i to me this is like kind of like a, a movie version of V in a weird way. It's like, look, there's secret aliens in our society and they're trying to, you know, take us over and all that kind of stuff. So I think when I first saw this, I don't know that I necessarily understood or appreciated the, you know, the 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 commentary it was making. Like to me, it was just a fun, you know, like, oh, these two guys are kicking the shit out of each other. And, and then they got glasses that show that people are aliens and then they, they're going to fight the aliens. And that's, that's kind of, you know, that that's kind of how my little kid brain perceived this, you know? And, and then I think, you know, watching it now, right. You're like, Oh, Hey, like this is, this is a standard kind of, you know, well, it's funny to say standard cause he's, he's very kind of, uh, you know, John Carpenter, I think, is 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 a, a director that's that's, you know, basically outside the norm. Right. Like and 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 um, I guess th th there is all that sociopolitical commentary that's that's laced in between this kind of very like I think Tony said it's very well paced. Like it, it kind of reminds me of how like everybody kind of sat back and reevaluated Halloween three, you know, and it's like. It, it, you know, he's got his tropes and his formulas and things that he uses and you 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 follow a singular character. And even if the character is not necessarily a perfect human being, like you kind of 
relate to them. You kind of identify with them. You see yourself in them. And and when they became, you know, when they become the the lone man standing, like you feel like as a member of the audience, especially, you know, maybe watching it singularly, you know, like watching it on home video or watching it in a room by yourself, you feel just as singular, right? And you're like the last man standing too. So I, I, I feel like it always works on this level. I think going back to some of the things that that you all have said. I mean, you know, Tony talked about Keith David, and I, I, I feel like, you know, he's probably somebody that John Carpenter must have enjoyed working with, because before this, he was in the thing, right? Like, so, so, you know, it's like that, 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 that must have been, you know, you know, not, not quite as obvious as like, say, Tim Burton casting, you know, his, his uh, go-to you know, favorites in, in every single movie. But but I, I, I'd be willing to say, hey, you know, he, it looks like John Carpenter enjoys working with Keith David. And like Mike said, he's a great talent. Right. So so it makes sense that he brought him back for something like this. Right. The the fight scene, you know, is obviously the, one of the highlights of the film and also drawing it back to to my parallel to to V. Like there's this great, fantastic. It's not quite as long or drawn out. But there's this fantastic fight scene between Ham Tyler and Mike Donovan where they're fighting over shipping out the red dust. And I love that scene, too. And like it's it, it's like they both, you know, there's a reason for the fight. And it just kind of puts like characters together and they're 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 take no shit attitude with one another. So it, it just and, and kind of like a no back down kind of, you know fight or whatever and so that's you know i don't know it just makes the whole thing extremely fun but the 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 halloween three comparison it's like the the pacing you know it's like you 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 get enveloped into this world that it, it, you know they, they don't just thrust you into it i mean i i think that speaks to justin's commentary of you know not even not even on a uh, politically correct level or a, a overly sensitized society level, but just on a on sort of a, a, a you know a macro level of like you know movies are still written formulaically, but I think I think if this was remade or made today, like the pace would not be as you know methodical and slow, you know, and it and and to me when I say slow, it doesn't mean that that, that it's boring. It means to me that 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 everything they they took their time with certain things so that you could acclimate yourself to this world and figure it out along with the lead character, and you're not just you know thrust into some high octane roller coaster thing where you barely you know get a chance to register what's going on before you're you know knee deep in freaking aliens and and exploding bluey juice stuff or whatever right like this is actually you know you you feel every punch that roddy piper takes you know you you understand like the the disbelief that he goes through the first time he puts on the sunglasses and is like, what the fuck am I seeing? You know, like what the signs are different and have subliminal messages in them. Like the magazines read funny, like, and then when he sees like the first of the, the skull faced aliens, he's like, what the fuck am I, you know, like, I, I think, you know, if this was something that was made today, you know, that, that might've all been kind of, uh, you know, like a, a shot of uh, heroin just stuck into your veins and it just, you know, they would just shoot you up with all that info and not even, you know, give you time to to savor it or 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 
you know, walk along with the character and and join them on that ride. And, you know, I guess if you want to talk about the maybe to me, I'm going to call it the the you know, hypersensitive aspect of the way movies are made today. You know, I don't think you could have the scene where he is finally empowered by taking guns and shooting some of these aliens. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 I think, I think, I think because of shit like, like Columbine, because of because of all this stuff where people are hypersensitive about you know the myriad number of shootings with fucking crazy people, like like it, a character like uh, Nada w- would never fly. Like they wouldn't it wouldn't even get past the screenwriting, the script writing stage because people would would attribute it to a bunch of tragedies which it has literally zero connection to. What it's trying to tell you is, guess what? Like there, there might be a corrupt system in place, but you know what keeps a corrupt system at bay? Fucking guns. You know, like that's that's what keeps it at bay. I, I, I was just thinking know? when you said like how it's presented, Derek. I was just thinking of like this scene where the Keith David character, not Keith David, but like today he'd be running down an alley, and like cops would be on his tail, and they'd be almost catching up to him, and then whoever Nada is being played by would jump out of a window and gun them all down. And like be like, thanks, man. Those cops were trying to kill me. And he just slapped the sunglasses on. He see like they were aliens. He's like, they're aliens now. And he's like, they're aliens now. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they're they're. they're I, I don't I don't think pacing these days, you know, or or at least to the the generation that is watching movies now. I don't I don't think they give any of this stuff any time to marinate, right? Whereas I think I think. In some ways, it's kind of funny because you, you know, you, you talk about the the cultural aspects of, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Mike and Jay talk about it all the time on Red Letter Media, but this whole, you know, consume, you know, move on to the next product, consume that and just rinse, repeat type thing. And it's like, th- this is a hard thing for me to describe, but I find myself not not just because I'm a grumpy old man and I hate all the new shit, but because of the way like new entertainment is written, paced and and, you know, it's like you're going through a wormhole or, a, you know, w- you know, a, a slip and slide or, a you know, whatever analogy you can make it a roller coaster that you're just a rocket that you're immediately shot off in. And sometimes that can be great. Don't get me wrong. Like sometimes there's there's ways that that can be done where it works for the film and it it is the appropriate action to take. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is the reason why I end up watching like old shows like Twilight Zone or Danger Man or Doctor Who or whatever, you know, and Doctor Who from like, you know, the 1960s, not Doctor Who from like now is or Lost in Space or whatever it is like like the, the reason why sometimes it's it's nice to sit back and watch stuff like that is because of the pace because it's not trying to like stick you in a a a, a rocket you know it, 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 it's almost like when when I, i'm trying to remember but you know it's like you you had those like wooden apple carts that people like you know rode races in and stuff and it's it's almost like you know, oh, how quaint, like I'm in a little apple car, you know, and I'm I'm pedaling along or whatever I'm doing, as opposed to, 
being, you know, in some Vin Diesel movie where he's got nitrous strapped to his freaking rocket car or whatever, you know, like, and it's like that, you know, sometimes it's just, you're like, Oh, I just want to relax. And, and, and it's like, they, it's the difference between, you know, somebody ripping your pants off and saying, let's do the horizontal right here, right now. No, no foreplay, no dinner, no hanky panky, no whatever. It's just, we're going to do the deed immediately. And then the difference between like this movie where it's like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Oh, okay. Let's flirt a little bit. Oh, let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, uh, uh, hold hands, let's kiss, let's this, let's that. And it gets you, you know, you know, eventually, yeah, you're going to fuck like, it's going to be great, but it's not like you just fucking leap into that shit right away. And that's kind of, um, what, what I think is, uh, what I appreciate the most about this, like it's a, it's a fantastic movie and, and it was, it was fun to revisit. And, and, and I think, you know, it's one of those things like sometimes like going back to my origin, like when, when your dad sometimes calls you in to watch something, you're kind of like, is this really going to be good? Like, is it really like, like for reals? And, and, you know, most of the time my dad didn't lead me astray or whatever, but you know, sometimes you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're doing the double take where it's like, Oh, I want to watch transformers. I want to do this. I want to do that instead. I'm, I'm busy playing with my star Wars toys or whatever. Is this going to be, is interrupting that really going to be worth my time? And it's like, even as a little kid on that level, this was super fun, right. To watch. And I guess I've kind of gone into super detail about it, but, but, you know, Justin's concerns, like I I think a movie like this, unfortunately could never be made today. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think I, you know, either that or, or, you know, that it would be, you know, way less than subtle, you know, like, like, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, maybe, maybe what, you know, Justin can voice some of his specific fears, but I, I I think I agree with him, you know, like that, that it wouldn't be, you know, uh, cut and dry or, uh, you know, uh, something that, you know, is, is, uh, you know, without people, you know, tearing each other's heads off, you know, type thing. Uh, Oh, I guess, I guess maybe I should, I should talk about Roddy Piper. Cause you know, you know, what's funny about that is like, I think even though I was 10 or 11, cause I was, I was looking at it and I'm like, you know me, I mean, I'm going to say the same old tired ass shit. Like to me, Roddy Piper is the cartoon, you know, he's the rock and wrestling cartoon. Like that's, that to me was Roddy Piper. And I think that came out in like 1985. Right. So to me, this is four years later dude doesn't look like the cartoon like i don't i don't even think i made you you know what i mean like i don't think i made the connection until like later when i was in college and people were quoting this movie you know being like oh i'm here to kick ass chew bubble gum and i'm all out of bubble gum and everybody's like oh that's from they live man we're so cool we know all these lines like this is the coolest movie ever and at that point, I think, you know, being an adult, I could put like two and two together and go, oh, wait a minute. The dude in that was Roddy. Oh, Roddy Piper and Roddy Piper. Oh, oh, OK. And rock and rest. You know, like I, I linked it all together as an adult. But I think when I first saw this as a kid, he was just like, like, you know, another guy in a movie, like like kind of like what Tony's saying, somebody who was very charismatic, you know, somebody who had a lot of energy that you, you, you know, you, you, you know felt like you, you know, could, uh, 
put yourself in his place, you know, and, and, and go through those things and everything. And every, every kind of hit he took, like when he got tossed out the window and shit, you're like, ow, that fucking hurts. You know, like, like the, the whole, you know, like you feel all every, every, uh, ordeal he has to go through like he, he you know i mean i and i think that was probably to the advantage of him being the the you know wrestling figure that he was like he he sold all that kind of uh you know action and 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 uh beat downs that that he got throughout the course of this film you know i mean that's kind of that's kind of what i got on uh on on this film but i'm 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 curious if you guys have any responses to any any things that i've sort of dropped in my uh kind of brief assessment of they live well i, I will say like we, we we've talked about the fight scene a little bit here and there but uh, to your to your uh comment about like you know not just the pacing but how it took its time like that whole fight actually has a meaning you know it's not just a fight you know keith david's character does not want to put on the damn sunglasses and he doesn't really know Nada like that. They, they've worked together for like a day or two. And like, he doesn't know this guy from, you know, Adam. So they get into a fight over it. And basically they beat the shit out of each other until finally, like, you know, they're, they're both almost to the point of like, dude, I, I, I can't do this shit anymore. And this is after they say they can't do this shit like twice, you know? <laughs> and when, you know, Keith David finally relents and says, fine, I'll listen to you. And he puts on the glasses it feels like a, a moment that is earned. Like you, you like you went on a journey to get to him joining the quote unquote good guys, you know, like you, you, you followed him being the, the skeptic and him showing that he's a tough guy worthy to be like, you know, not as a uh, uh, running buddy. And then when he sees the light, you know, almost literally you're like, cool. Not only do I want this guy on the team, but I'm glad he's on our team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about the uh, the pace of the movie, I mean, the first 30 minutes, like, nothing really happens. And you don't even really notice it. Because, like, I only noticed it because, like, I got up and paused the movie. And I was like, oh, I'm, like, 30 minutes into this. Like, 30 minutes in, we know Roddy Piper is jobless and homeless. He gets a job. We meet Keith David. He makes his way to the homeless camp. And we see that, like, there's something weird going on across the street at the church, and there's some weird transmissions interrupting the TV. And then the police show up. That happens at, like, 30-ish minutes in. Like, that's – I don't think – like, if they did remake it, like, all that would happen in, like, three minutes. Like, they would just gun it right to, like, you know, the action and – you know, you gotta like, you know, keep things going because you know, you know, just the attention span of people today. You gotta, you can't take your time and build things slowly, and take your time and develop characters and side characters and things that are going on in the background. You just kind of like have to like the movie starts. You gotta hit the gas. You can't just you know, kind of like take your time and drive around and go like, oh yeah, what's going on over there? Oh, Roddy Piper's getting a job. Oh, Roddy Piper's, you know, he's over here now and he's, you know, he's at the employment agency and they're like, we ain't got shit for you. You probably wouldn't have any of that in a remake. And then, you know, go, kind of like going back to what, what I said about finding this as a, you know, as a teenager and hitting the right spot, like something I was thinking of is when I was a teenager and I heard that they were making a sequel to The Matrix, I thought, well, that's great. Like, I love The Matrix. The sequel would be great. And I remember my creative writing teacher hearing about this, and she was like, oh, that's an awful idea. Like, they're going to ruin it. And I was like, no, you're crazy. Like, a sequel, it's going to be great. And we got sequels, and they weren't so great. 
So, like, I think now if they announced, like, oh, we're going to make a sequel to They Live, um, I would be like, no, why? You're going to ruin it. Like, you don't need a sequel. But, but and I, and I, know, I know people are going to be like, well, what? You know, what's going to happen? And, you know, and all the other cities on the planet. And what about the space aliens? I'm like, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. All you need is just one story. It's kind of like how you had the Matrix. You have that one story, and it ends the way it does. You don't need any more stories. Just leave it alone. Like that's, I, that's the way I feel now. Like I feel like my creative writing teacher. I'm like, no, don't go back. You're gonna ruin it. Just leave it alone. Don't do a 30 years later sequel. You know, don't 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 do anything to like take away from the uniqueness and the specialness of the movie. Just just leave it alone. It's fine. I, I, I mean, think like if you look at Pacific Rim two. And the sequel to Independence Day, you you are well validated. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one of those. I saw the sequel to Independence Day too, and I was like, "Yeah, you should have left it alone." <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think I saw the sequel to Independence Day. I think I decided to watch the sequel to Pacific Rim because it was like on a flight to one of these cons I was going to, and it was just kind of like, "Oh boy!" But I I um there, there's there's oh boy. Like, what what's what kind of blows my mind about this movie is like you could like get rid of the aliens and you just have like the truth. You know what I mean? Like, like if you look at it, like where you're like, oh man, like because these, you know, I mean, I I I bitch to you guys about this all the time. There's always all these homeless encampments all over the place, and then then people come in just like they did here. Not necessarily as grandiose or dramatic with like helicopters and and uh, you know riot gear and all this other stuff, but but the the aspect of the construction vehicle coming in and just moving all their shit somewhere else, like that happens all the fucking time. Like you know, it, it depends on you know what's going on there, but somebody's got some development project where they're trying to make some nice. Uh, rental rooms or a new hotel or whatever it is they're like okay well we can't have all this you know these encampments here so they move them all to the other side of the block or whatever it is you know and it's like you know that that aspect of it it's like it's like it it, it would almost be nice if you could blame it on fucking invading space aliens that have wristwatches that teleport them away when they're in danger. It would it would actually be a comfort if you could blame it on something like that. And the the reality is you can't. It's just a bunch of fucked up people, you know, like <laughs> the, the, the Well, I, I think that was like probably the like kind of like the subtle genius of John Carpenter making it aliens. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he, he, he lets you dip your toe in it like, you know, like, is the world really what you think it is? Like, you know, like, who's who's really running things around here? And he gives you aliens because that's that's easier to accept. But then after you watch the movie, you're like, well, you know, a lot of that shit does happen. You know? And, and, and you know, again, this is me on my on my high horse or whatever. But I mean, this came out in what, 1988 and we're celebrating the 35th anniversary. And I'm like, it, Still hasn't really changed now, has it? Right? Like so probably gotten worse. Yeah. I I read something funny. Like I was like looking into like the background of this movie. And like John Carpenter had said he picked 
Roddy Piper to play the lead character out of like like and he had like a laundry list of people he was gonna ask and like much more like you know bigger names like Kurt Russell and like you know other people he had worked with before but uh he picked Roddy Piper because he basically said like out of everyone he like kind of tested for the role he was like he felt Roddy Piper like looked like someone who was would who would be believable as like a drifter like or a like homeless person basically. Like, or, or like, you know, he said, like, he looked like, you know, he had lived a life, basically. And like, he, he would be, you know, he would be believable in this role. So that's that's not far from the truth, because I I think before he got his, you know, his break in wrestling, I think he was homeless for for several years and kind of I kind of did live rough, at least what I know of his, you know, his life before wrestling. So, I, you know, I guess it shows on his face. I don't know. Man, he was a boxer in his youth, so he's he's been in a couple of real life scuffles, you know. <laughs> so, Mike, to, to what you're saying, Mike, about behind the scenes stuff, don't quote me verbatim. And Justin, or or Mike, or or Derek, if you want to clean this up, just feel free. Going back to that the 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 big fight, I, I if I remember correctly, that was more or less like kind of one take, and like Carpenter wanted it to be very real, very visceral, very like a real fight, but. It was so good. He just let it keep going until like the actors were like, "I'm fucking tired, dude." <laughs> so like, it wasn't really improvised. There was probably key moments that they had to do, like you know, like the 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 car moment, you know, like you know all that stuff, the dumpster and all that. But like, or maybe not. Maybe it was all improvised. It's like he was just like I think, beat the shit out of each other. You know. I think that the story is that I read is like in in the script. It's like all he wrote was they fight and then like the next page is like the fight continues and then the next page is the fight continues and (laughs) basically and like it said like you know roddy piper and keith david like all they like really avoided was hitting each other in the face and the groin and like all those body blows were like they tried to like you know do it as hard as they could without like seriously injuring each other so yeah they just they just went at it like you know it was crazy. I don't know if Roddy Piper did all of his stunts, but I I think it's fair to assume he probably did a lot of them because it it looks like him when like he yeah. like Derek said he falls out the window and shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was gonna bring it up. I, I brought her up before. I, I called her Evil Lynn because well she was in Masters of the Universe. I thought Meg Ryan was a really good kind of like mid level boss, like I guess in a way like you know she she played her role really well. Like and also I guess you could also kind of say the other homeless guy the kind of chubby fat homeless guy who you know sells out and becomes part of the the group like it's it's interesting to see like you know that it's not just humans like there's also like you know not just aliens but there are there are humans who are just totally bought in they're like this is good i i was fucking homeless now i'm like rich and i got a suit look at me i'm all rich now you know <laughs> and like like did you did you guys like that dichotomy that it was like you know not only the aliens like you know, behind the scenes doing this, but they're also turning people like right with them. There's people who are like, I know they're aliens. I don't give a fuck, you know? I mean, that's, that's part of the theme of the the movie, right? Like you're, yeah. you're selling your soul, right? Right. I, I was just going to say, it's like, it's a, whenever someone like cheats uh, at something or like, you know, tries to take the easy way out, I always like think in my head, like, like Keith David, you're dirty motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty motherfucker. And when tr- someone tries to go for a low blow, I'm like, dirty motherfucker. I, I know, like, it's been, you know, what Mike was saying, it like, seems really low budget and stuff. And I'm sure it wasn't, you know, 
it doesn't have like the thing prosthetics and all that. I mean, the, the skeleton faces are pretty cool, but like, I think the thing that wowed me the most visually is when, when Nada put on the glasses and not really so much the skeleton, you know, aliens, but like all the subliminal stuff, like how like, you know, obey, you know, consume and all that stuff like that. I thought that was really well done because it was, you know, not just unsettling, but like, you know, obviously the placement too, you know, of like, you know, like the magazines and stuff like that. It was like, I don't know how cheaply that could have been done because I would imagine that they had to film those exact locations and then like, you know, some things like the newsstand and just replace everything with like those magazines, you know, <laughs> that say like that on the front, you know? Yeah. I mean, as long as you have a good continuity person, that's, that's, you know, that's their job, right? Like to make uh, everything look sort of seamless and everything. I kept looking to see if maybe there were any like comic books in some of those scenes, but I didn't see anything. So it looked like it was all, you know, teen beat and, you know, whatnot, right? Like on the magazine stands. Right. I mean, I will, I will say one thing, man. Downtown LA has always been a shithole and it always fucking will be a shithole. So I'm sure they didn't have to do very much stage dressing for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we got to make this place look disgusting. Done. <laughs> Done. Finished. We got this. We got this, you guys. Didn't even have to do anything. One, one moment I did want to especially bring up because I just thought it was hilarious is the, at the climax of the movie, the, the evil alien are basically using this like pretty low budget looking satellite dish to basically uh, transmit this uh, cloaking wave or whatever to make him look like human. And Nada does achieve his goal at the cost of his life, blowing up the, the, the radar dish or the satellite dish, which, you know, interferes with the signal. And one of my favorite moments at the end is where this human woman is uh, getting it good, I guess you would say, by uh, her, her, her uh, partner. And he's, he turns, you know, he's visibly a full-on, like, skeleton. And he's like, What's wrong, baby? I, you know, it made me wonder about that because I was like, did I see that when I was 11? Because, like, I was like, I wonder if that was something that was edited on TV or not either completely cut out or, or, you know, sometimes I know, like, with some of the Freddy movies, they have, like, you know, alternate shots where, like, you know, maybe they're, you know, the, the chick had a bra on or something just in case they were going to show it on network TV. But, uh, I, I was like, I, I was struggling. Like, you know, we've all said, uh, you know, I, I, I did watch this and I'm pretty sure it was on home video, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, do I, do I recall that scene or not? And I don't know that I do, you know, but. Yeah. Did, did you, didn't you say earlier that this movie was, or you or Justin said this movie aired on like TNT or something or. Probably it, it feels like it was ran on tnt or tbs like often in the 90s and you know like like i was speculating probably because you know tnt and tbs were playing or they were airing you know wcw wrestling and you know in the mid to late 90s like roddy was part of wcw so yeah right. I, I i like i remember seeing like you know my friend like taped an uncut version of this because i remember seeing the titties because i was probably like 11 <laughs> or 10, 12 years old <laughs> And uh, like, yeah, but then like, I know I've seen it since then, but I don't like own it. And I don't think I've watched it like on a VHS or a DVD or anything. So it must have been re repeated on some like, like cable channel or something. I, I was uh, 
I was thinking about this, I was going to ask you guys. So before this, John Carpenter had the thing, and that was that movie. You know, as far as I know, I could be wrong. It actually came out like I think 1982. Yeah, it was a pretty big success. It was like you know a high grossing movie. They Live was not. It was I don't know if it was a flop, but it did not make a lot of money. And it's funny though because I remember at the time I do remember this. Critics actually really liked it. They thought it was a really good movie. And I was just kind of surprised that it did get a lot, a lot more reception. And, like, you know, I always wondered if this kind of hurt John Carpenter's career at all. Like, I mean, I know everybody knows who he is. I know that he is, he went on to, you know, he's made other films besides just the thing. And people know who he is. You know, he's he's not somebody who this one movie killed his career. But I wonder if it slowed down his momentum at all. I saw this clip on YouTube. It was, like, John Carpenter at, like, a, a, a convention or something. And this guy goes up to him, and he's he's like, you know— <laughs> he goes man i love escape from new york it's one of my favorite movies and he goes but man escape from la like what happened john carpenter doesn't miss a beat he just looks at him and he goes fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so he probably didn't care <laughs> yeah he probably didn't care yeah he probably didn't give a shit I, I i thought it was funny that you said critics uh responded positively to this movie because i was like uh it clearly looks like Siskel and Ebert are the skull-faced aliens when they cut to them in one of those scenes. Yeah. So I don't know if they, right. they, they got a kick out of that and responded favorably to it or, or, uh, or, you know, if, if they were one of the few critics that panned it because they didn't like being, uh, lumped in with the, the 1% of, uh, skull-faced aliens that are taking over the world or whatever. I, I, does this movie still count as like a cult favorite? Because in recent years, I see like they live shirts at like Hot Topic when I go to the mall, or it seems like a lot of people know this movie. Do you think it's still like a cult classic, or do you think it's like actually kind of transcended that you know thing, like kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas? I think what you're saying about the box office is true, but I mean, I I do think kind of I guess my story is atypical of it but that people discovered this on cable and home video right like so I mean if if not you know if not exactly like Nightmare Before Christmas I mean it, it certainly had a second life I don't I don't know what that means for its return on investment you know like do do in other words like yes what you're saying is true the domestic box office for they live was not as good as the domestic box office for john carpenter's the thing right but like do do, do are there enough you know cable sales and enough you know uh syndicated sales of that movie package are there enough foreign you know, uh, box office sales. Are there enough, you know, residuals for DVDs and Blu-rays and 4k discs and all this other shit? Like, do, does that, you know, help make up the difference in that, that I have no idea, but it, I mean, if it is this kind of like cult classic, which I think is true, then, you know, I, I would say it's fair to say that it was mainly discovered after it had been theatrically released. But then if you look at it, I mean, there are some listings here that say like, oh, look, there was a there was a a subsequent, you know, like theatrical release. So then then it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, well, does that then add to its its gross? You know, like because remember how I was like trying to break down, um, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas got re-released a few times. And I think that's true of They Live. So. I mean, I, I, I think 
the simple answer to your question is probably yes. I would say this is something that used to be a cult classic, like the way Monster Squad used to be a cult classic. Mm, mm. I, I think with like reviewers on YouTube, whether it's Angry Video Game Nerd, Nostalgia Critic, Red Letter Media, Brandon Tennold, on and on, you have these channels that you know produce monthly content, and they're looking at stuff that to us is a cult classic or it's really obscure. And you you take Monster Squad, They Live, whatever it is. You expose it to like that mass audience. Like if if uh, Angry Video Game Nerd or Nostalgia Critic is talking about, you know, some obscure version of Dracula, like most people have never heard of, they're gonna seek it out. Like, oh, I heard this version of Dracula was really great, according to the nerd. So I'm gonna look for the Blu-ray. I'm gonna look for it on Amazon Prime or wherever. I, I think a lot of these films that to us, our generation, like we think of them as cult classic, but because of like the internet and then hot topic selling the t-shirts like they're probably not as obscure as we think they are anymore so so now they live is actually a consume obey product <laughs> i guess so and, unfortunately. Like, like it's been it's been absorbed by the yeah. soul-faced aliens into just another thing to consume unfortunately i guess instead Which... of waking people up like i guess i guess it's it's putting more people it's making them stay asleep instead of waking them up. <laughs> that, that that reminds me of something. Like I remember when McFarlane was doing like the movie Maniacs line, I was waiting for a Roddy Piper They Live figure. I was like, uh, man, like that would be so cool. You know, he, he's wearing the sunglasses. He's got his you know flannel shirt and a shotgun and a uh, assault rifle. I'm like, that would be so great. And I kept waiting and waiting, and they never made it. You're still waiting. I'm still waiting. Well, actually, there there is a line of WWE figures that are like movie related. You've got you actually do have Roddy Piper as Nada, and you've got like the Rock, oh, okay. Scorpion King. I remember seeing Hulk Hogan as Rip, yeah. And you've got Andre the Giant as Bigfoot from Six Million Dollar Man. Huh. I've never seen any of those in the store, like ever. So. Like, I, like if I had seen, you know, Roddy Piper as Nada, the action figure, WWE version or whatever, I would have bought it because I've been waiting on that shit for like, you know, 35 years, I guess. But I've yet to see them. And I've checked like eBay and Amazon, you know, often-ish. And it seems like they're always like, you know, like in the stores, in, in like Walmart or Target, it would probably be like $21, $22. But online, it's like, Get it now for forty five dollars. I'm just like, what? No. Oh, I, I I'm like, I see one that's uh twenty nine ninety nine with eight fifty five shipping. Yeah, screw that. Yeah, but having looked that up, wow, there's a bunch of NECA eight inch figures of both Keith David and Roddy Piper. There's huh. these Super Seven glow in the dark. <laughs> alien ghouls that kind of <laughs> it, it almost looks like you know those old universal like yeah. three and three quarters like it yeah. almost looks like that there's some of course there's some reaction i mean i'm kind of surprised i haven't seen a fucking goddamn funko pop but um i haven't yet <laughs> but i mean there's there's all i mean for something that is trying to tell you to uh uh resist consumerism oh god damn it there it is <laughs> Fucking they live, uh, fucking Funko Pop of fucking aliens. Of course they live. They alien male and female figural bag clips, Walmart exclusive, 
oh my god gag me with a fucking anyway so yeah i mean you know it's like holy shit I, but, I, mean, yeah. I, feel, I, I feel bad for kids in the 90s because they're like they're just smacking their goliath figure against their lg and rubber roddy roddy piper it's like <laughs> honey what are you doing i'm playing they live <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how John Carpenter feels about that. You know, he's got this anti-authority, anti-consumerism movie. Well, it's like we made toys out of it, John. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, I failed. Or maybe it pays for his next movie. I don't know. I, don't I know. guess I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine he probably has to sign off of it because I mean, I, I I could be wrong. If again, if I am, correct me. But I think They Live was a completely original property. It wasn't like a book or anything, right? No, it was based, based on, a... on a short story. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was okay. So he can't, yeah, he can't take all the rights, I guess. But still, it, for, it, it is called John Carpenter's They Live. They want to make a T-shirt. He has to say, yeah, I'll sign the, I'll sign the papers. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I get a, now uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I wonder if anyone did a like gargoyles edit of like keith david with goliath or something mm. doing some lines for this movie i gotta look on youtube keith keith david's dirty motherfucker <laughs> dude, he's, like jonathan frakes is like punching him or whatever he's dirty <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> oh jeez. and well i mean i guess you could like put roddy 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 piper's lines like with the hulk hogan rock and wrestling <laughs> it's roddy roddy piper and his bunch of coods I've come here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. But, like, did, did you guys think this was, like, like the one thing I kind of liked about it, like, you were talking about Blue Goo, Derek, and all that stuff. Honestly, to me, like, it didn't seem hyper-violent. Like, the violence was real. It, like, didn't have that cartoony Mortal Kombat feel that, like, a lot of movies say, you say modern-day movies. They tend to exaggerate like the violence and gore and all that stuff to where it doesn't seem real. This like seemed like it was really real. Like when people got shot, they just flew back and they're just like dead, you know. And like, I really appreciate that. It had like for the science fiction setting, like it had like a really, really stark realness to it, which I know is the the intent. You know, it has to be believable on this end. So when you go to this end, it's still believable. But like I, I appreciated the fact how this was shot. You know, there's there's a lot of good filmmaking in this. I guess I was just wondering if you thought it was too violent or if you're like, no, totally good. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's certainly not gory. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, if, if that's what you're getting at. I mean, in terms of violence, I I still think people would freak the fuck out about him walking into that bank with the shotgun and start blowing people away because people are going to go down that, you know, you know, I mean, I'll start with Columbine and then work my way up to, you know, whatever the most recent fucking shooting is and everybody's going to lose their goddamn minds over it, you know, and he, in the yeah. meantime, you're like, well, look, he, he, this is this is the only way he can, you know, resist this consumeristic authoritarian one percenter alien takeover that basically is a done deal right like in this in in this uh society you know yeah so i mean you know to me i mean it, it it doesn't mean the same thing that it means to other people i mean they just as soon take that away from you and and then where would you be that you you'd be in that same you know you'd either be a conformist that's uh what do they call them uh, uh recruited or or you you just have to go back to being one of the asleep masses you know uh or or you fight until you die you know 
So uh, right. those those are the choices. Yeah, I, it, like there's there's definitely a lot of subtext to like different layers of this movie, and you could do, totally go down like the rabbit hole on like a lot of the the imagery and like you know what does it really mean. I, I think one of the like most powerful things to take away from this, and I, I wonder if some people don't get it, is like you know like sometimes the best way to take over or overthrow like a populace is by almost literally giving them what they want you know, or thinking they're getting what they want, you know, is like they, the, the aliens didn't have to go really shooty, shooty, bang, bang. And most of the people that they did go shooty, shooty, bang, bang with were the people that like we as like society normally don't give a shit about, you know, it's like they, they, they bulldozed that homeless, like, you know, settlement over there across the, 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 the bay. Yeah, who cares? You know, <laughs> it's like, it, it, you know, it's 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 really like not heartbreaking. It's like sobering if you think about like how you know you're saying about the people who are asleep. You know, like they don't pay attention. How easily people can be controlled if you just give them the right thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think overall that's that's the uh, the underlining message, right? Like, and 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 for something that obviously in in its own way, shape, and form is to me is quite entertaining and and and. I guess back to your original point, I, I don't I don't think it's gory, but uh, I, I think people could make the argument that it's it's very violent. Like, in other words, you got mom, you know, parent groups saying that Power Rangers is violent, but it's not like it's violent in the way that Invincible is violent. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between, you know, a blood splattered train thing and and eat shit you are but but to to concern you know moms that power rangers was violent right and and it, by those standards you know certainly this movie is violent you know it's got shootings it's got uh uh people getting body slammed into the fucking street you know like i mean it's got roddy piper getting tossed out of a fucking window on a high rise in the playa del rey somewhere you know what i mean like it's it's like i mean I, like, I can see right now like the, the fight between roddy piper and keith david i'm sure somebody would be like oh well this is just a prime example of toxic masculinity or yeah what wh whatever yeah yeah stupid stuff yeah and I'm not saying that that's that's a, not a real thing, Internet. I'm just saying that this is not a version of that. That is, this is not toxic masculinity. It's two people fighting for a, a real thing, a real cause. So shut up. Seems like it's an attack on masculinity with all those like crotch blows. <laughs> it's like uh, multiple uh, fucking uh, knees to the dick. Oh. You know? <laughs> he hit me in the dick. Why does he keep me and me in the dick? It's like that's that's it's like this seems to be working, and I want to win the argument, and I don't want to wear the glasses. <laughs> like, wear the glasses, we stop me, me in the dick. I know, I know Justin would say like, you know, don't make a sequel, you know, like for the love of God. Like I, I also echo, don't make a remake, don't don't remake it, please don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think remaking this or making well, a sequel would, to would this the sequel is, is would the sequel be would the sequel be called They Live Again? They live again. They They're live still living. some more. <laughs> still, oh, would it be called Still They Live? 
Day Live, Rise of the Beasts. I don't know. <laughs> Roddy V. Frank. <laughs> Dawn of Day Live. <laughs> um, oh, man. All right. I think, I think this means we're tapped. Uh, so if anybody has any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you're concerned about consuming, obeying, and being asleep, uh, tough shit, because we can't do shit about it. But if you want to commiserate about it, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We can be found on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. That's where you can download the backlog of all the Fanholes proper podcast episodes in addition to all of our other spinoff shows. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive and re-Xs and, you know, all this uh, consumerable stuff that uh, John Carpenter was fighting against. And we can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on, uh, I think, uh, Google Play is turning into YouTube music or some shit. And we're on, uh, what else? Uh, we're still on Spotify. And uh, I guess, you know, you can find us on Podbean and places like that. So hopefully that populates to whatever podcatcher is of your choice and that'll do it for tonight so until the next time this is going to be derek derek wc signing off it's mike signing off this is justin signing off and this is tony and yeah i'm just gonna sell all you guys out for a new suit and a, a dinner have a good time <laughs> I'm at least worth a new suit in the dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, no, I, I was, I was, I was making fun of like the whole like Tinder, like you know, like hey, right, fuck, right. fuck, yeah, let fuck, okay, cool. <laughs> Sometimes you need a little bit of foreplay before you just do the down and dirty, you know. Gotta, you know, wine and dine for you, sixty-nine. You know? Yeah. Sometimes you gotta jump in some chick's car and with a gun and make her drive her back to your place. Or <laughs> <laughs> drive her place. Because yeah. you, 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 only you know an alien conspiracy. And, and then she throws you I, out a I fucking love that window. Because, and then she like, throws you out a fucking window. I love that scene because Roddy Roddy Piper is like so, like you know, and he's right, but he's so sure of everything that's going wrong. And like Ben Foster is just like this crazy motherfucker. And he's like, "You're kind of cute, you know." It's just like I think I can really trust you. Hi! That was oh. your first, second, and third mistake. <laughs> Fuck you.